This is Glass Half Full with me, Steve Twine, and where I'm joined by inspirational guests from around the world, sharing their stories, stories that may well resonate with you. Sit back and enjoy this week's Glass Half Full. Well, a warm welcome to this week's Glass Half Full with me, Steve Finding, where I'm joined by inspirational guests from around the world. We don't follow a script. We have a wonderful discussion and uh, all about helping people make a positive change and sharing things out there that you may not know about and sharing some great advice. And tonight we're going to be talking, well, we're going to be talking about hypnobirthing and much more uh, when I'm going to be joined by Christine from Magical Baby Moments. Looking forward to talking to Christine in around 30 seconds from now. Well, hi, Christine. How are you? Hi, Steve. Thank you for having me today. It's a it's a pleasure. Looking forward to really finding out, um, well, a bit bit about yourself, a bit about the work that you do, and uh, all about magical baby moments. We're going to be talking, you know, exploring hypnobirthing. What is it? The myths and all kind of things around that. But let's kick off by, you know, how how did magical baby moments come into being? What was the driver behind it for you? Yeah, um, so I think with a lot of hypnobirthing teachers, um, we are experienced mums in having gone through the journey for our own pregnancies, and then we find out how just wonderful it is, and then we want to become a hypnobirthing teacher to spread the news to other mums. So that was my journey. It was with my first pregnancy that I was looking through a magazine on the way to work, and I found a book that mentioned the Catherine Graves hypnobirthing book. And having not come across it before, I thought, oh, let's see if I can get this through Waterstones. And again, feeling like the word hypnobirthing was a bit maybe out there at the time. Um, <laughs> I thought, well, maybe they can order it for me if it you know, needs to be ordered it, and I had enough time left in my pregnancy. Um, but lo and behold, there were two copies on the shelf. So I thought, OK, well, maybe it's not so out there as I thought. Maybe I'm just ill-informed. So I read the book. Um, and again, I read it. So it's, you know, the as you go into hypnobirthing, you understand it's not just about the techniques, but it's about understanding the physiology of birth and what happens to a woman during the latter stage of pregnancy and how the body changes to prepare for labour. So um, a gentleman called Grantly Dick Reed kind of discovered the art of relaxing in labour and trusting your body. And so that's kind of what the, the beginning of the book talked about. And then the second half was about using kind of hypnotherapy techniques of like, you know, imagining a rainbow or imagining colours and counting. And I was like, okay but how's this going to work but lo and behold my first um my first labor went really well in terms of my own personal experience um sadly my son passed away during uh, the labor itself so we had a traumatic outcome wow. um so that was tough to deal with but when i looked back on my labor when i was pregnant again with my daughter um just over a year later okay we were apprehensive in the pregnancy because you know we weren't sure where we were going to get to because we got to full-term healthy baby mm. all through pregnancy but you know having a, a difficult outcome in labor so I think preparing for that labor with my daughter was even harder but then I remembered that actually my experience with my first 
labor was calm it was relaxed and I then thought well okay what was how did I do that and it was then that I realized actually this hypnobirthing malarkey kind of worked so I kind of found <laughs> as much material as I could to empower myself and prepare myself and the, the hospital that I was with had somebody that understood that and so she helped me too the lady um, that was there at the hospital and I had a beautiful um, birth with my daughter again very quick and easy as I had with my son um, and she made it she was here wonderful and so, um, with so then it took me a little while because friends became pregnant, family members became pregnant. I was like, here, have this. This is great. It'll help you. But then the, their outcomes weren't like mine. And I was like, well, again, I was curious, like Granny Dick Reed is, well, why is it some women have fantastic births and others don't? And so um, somehow I stumbled across Catherine Graves and how to become a hypnobirthing teacher. And then understanding kind of the principles of hypnobirthing, it kind of, I, I wish now, although I don't wish for any more children, but I wish now I could go <laughs> through my pregnancy journey having all the hypnobirthing knowledge that I have now, having taught it since, you know, 2015, 2016, because, yeah, I think, you know, the more information women can have to empower themselves, not only to understand what's going on in our bodies, but the rights that we have, you know, with the choices that we have, which are quite often and quite easily taken away from us by, you know, the midwives and the doctors, because they think they know best, but a woman's intuition is really strong and we know and understand our bodies. And I'm not saying that I'm dismissing midwifery care at all. I'm not, but I do feel that sometimes women aren't listened to and, and our choices easily get taken away and medical interventions uh, start to kind of appear. And once you start down that route, it's very difficult to, in fact, almost impossible to then backtrack. So once you make a decision, you're kind of then down that new path. And so I think my drive to become a hypnobirthing teacher, to answer your question in a long way, is just to empower other women to have the beautiful experience that you can have which can quite easily get lost in today's world. Wow. So, Christian, what, what would you, how would you describe what hip birth, hypnobirthing is then for the, I want to use the word uninitiated, which is not a great word to use, I know, but, you know, for those for those who may think it's out there, like you, you know, when you were looking for the book in Waterstones and you thought, oh, well, maybe it's a bit out there. So yeah. how would you describe it? It is an antenatal course at the end of the day with the word hypnobirthing attached to it is all it is. But what we do is we focus on, really understanding what labor entails for the woman's body and for what the baby's going to be going through and understanding those changes and so you know one thing that hypnobirthing refers to is it's not pain you know a lot of us you know when we watch films and we watch tv soaps dramas you know they they program us to think that birth has to be painful you know that the woman's clenching her nails into the birth partner's hands and swearing at him and <laughs> for me i didn't find it painful okay I do say to my women when the head passes through the vagina and the and the head crowns that you can't take away that feeling you know it, you will have to go through that but the elements before that it's is your body strong you know your body's contracting your muscles are contracting to help ease your baby down gently and you know when you think about the miraculous journey that your baby's undertaking and what your body's doing to help push that baby out because i remember with my daughter looking at her in her birth um cot in the hospital and thinking oh my goodness, isn't she so tiny? And then on the other hand, the other brain and the other uh, voice in my child going, oh my goodness, isn't she massive? How did she come out of you? Yeah. And so it's understanding that, you know, once we understand what our body's going through and then the techniques that hypnobirthing teaches you is how to stay relaxed, how to stay calm, how to prepare for the birth that you want. So, you know, we recommend women start around 30 weeks to, to start their hypnobirthing course um, because then it gives them those final weeks to really kind of have time to reflect on the course to reflect on what they want their birth experience to be 
you know, women have different circumstances. So, you know, a lot of first time mums are hoping for a vaginal birth in most cases, but there may be, you know, medical situation where, you know, cesarean is required or maybe, you know, induced labour. Mm. And it's, you can still use hypnobirthing for those types of births too, which I think a lot of people think, well, it's only for the happy, clappy mums who are, you know, the lentil lovers and, and it's not. It's for any type of woman with any type of situation because it will just teach you to be informed and how to, even if it is a cesarean birth, how would you like your cesarean birth to look like? What personal touches can the hospital um, prepare and support you with so you make that a unique and special experience for that couple and welcoming that baby into the world rather than it just being that you're going into theatre to have a, a you know surgery performed mm. it's not and, it's, it's birth we're, we're bringing new life into this world and christian is is it advantageous for partners to be involved in this as well absolutely yeah so yeah. even not even just the the fathers of the baby um but you know if you've got a planning to have a sister or a mum or a friend support you in birth because you know sometimes it you know you prefer to have two people for if it is an extended labor that you may prefer a second person. So I encourage from my classes that whoever you're planning to have in that birthing experience with you should attend the course because that way you're all on the same page. When So, for example, if you had the woman only attend the class and then she comes away and says, right, this is what I want, everyone's going to go, well, you know, and it's not going to be out there, but having that understanding of what got her to that point because you were on that journey with her makes it much easier for the birth partners to then support the mum in the right way. Uh, I get that. And, and, and what about some of the myths then that people have? You know, do they? Do, do they? I'm just thinking top of my head now. Do, do they just have this thing that hypnobirthing is just? I'm going to meet a hypnotherapist. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so I don't have any crystals, and I don't, you know, put you <laughs> under any spells. So again, you know, is your experience, you know, with hypnotherapy yourself, is that people have, you know, preconceived ideas of what you're doing, but it's self-hypnosis and one thing to understand is we can be in a self-hypnotic state many times throughout the day you know if you're a driver on the motorway and you know your journey because you've done it a millions of times then quite often between one junction of entering the motorway and leaving you can just be in a hypnotic state because you're just on autopilot and so what we're trying to do is to get you into that really calm space when your body's contracting so that your body can then work more efficiently and you know a relaxed body can usually allow that birth to proceed more quickly which means it's a shorter labor so there are fewer contractions that a woman has to go through so it really is a win-win so debunking some myths it's not for the airy fairy yummy mummy lentil lovers you know it is for everybody um it is simply an antenatal course that teaches you how to relax and enjoy birth in the best way possible for you and your baby and it's from what you're describing as well we'll talk about the understanding the phys- physiology of birth as well but how how you're describing this it's you know, because you see, I, I'm just I'm just picturing in my mind now the things when when my daughter was born many years ago. But then, like you say, you see the things on the telly, and one of the big things they do is just they, they just talk about breathing, don't they? But this is more than just breathing. Yeah, yeah I know you've got to breathe, but you know what I mean. Breathing helps, and you can breathe your way through every contraction. In fact, we do a technique which is just how to control your breathing to take nice long deep breaths, because the longer and deeper your breaths are the more relaxed your body is which means you're producing oxytocin which is a hormone that helps you get through labor and helps you come through the other side so you know and also i'm not saying that again people think that if you're going to have a hypnobirthing birth that you're not going to touch anything else and you're not going to have any other medical support during labor a lot of women will probably not want to touch anything unless they really need to and then a lot of women find like i did is that you come out the other side thinking 
wow, I did that without anything. And I was, you know, I was prepared to have the lot if I needed it. You know, at the end mm. of the day, especially after my son's um, experience was that I will take whatever they feel is necessary for me to have a successful outcome with my daughter. So it's not that we're closed minded to having an induction or needing gas and air or having an epidural or even a C-section. All those things are there if that situation deems it necessary. But it's just it's about making it as as pleasant an experience as you possibly can. Yeah, and the more that a woman's in control and allowed, because the the term um, midwife is is basically to support the mother, and you know we, the Catherine Graves teaching is they're there for the what ifs. They're there watching out to see should anything not go according to plan, and you know what if something goes wrong, what what are they going to do to help support that mum and that baby for a successful outcome. Um, so you really shouldn't have a midwife meddling and interfering and interrupting the mother's space if she's doing well and if you know and if the signs are saying that actually baby's happy and that mum is comfortable. You know when you're talking about the the physiology of birth, then are are, are, are people quite surprised when you go through this and and you explain this? Is it yeah, quite detailed? I, I, it's it's detailed, but it's not too graphic. So because mm. it's it's about our muscles, you know. It, in, in our body, say for our biceps and our triceps, one helps the arm extend and the other one helps the arm fold back again. So the muscles of the uterus, in pregnancy, you have two sets of muscles as well. In pregnancy, you've got your horizontal muscles that tighten, which keeps your cervix closed. And then the vertical muscles extend as the baby grows and therefore the bump increases in size. But their roles change when you start labor. So the vertical muscles now want to contract. And then the horizontal muscles, which is your cervix, need to expand to allow baby to pass. So nature's very clever. We've got all this in built, just waiting for that moment when it needs to arise. So, you know, and the one thing I say is if, you, if, you know, even if you've had IVF to conceive your baby, once that baby is conceived and is in the womb, we don't do anything else. We are simply a carrier. Mm -hmm. So if nature can take care for that, of that baby or that fetus, or whatever you want to call it, whichever stage for nine months, why are we so distrusting of our bodies to then do the final step, which is just, let the baby come out come out yeah that's it's it yeah I, I i go with that you know i can remember reading something that wayne dyer said about this you know how we, we let nature take its course but then we want to interfere right at the end and why why and even, even things like you know having a sweep you know that's seen as a medical intervention in some hypnobirthing teacher's eyes and again there are situations where you find that you know actually that's appropriate for me so for my daughter because we were we had consultant-led care because of what happened to my son and we had consulting oh yes we'll do a c-section term because we're not going to let you go past your dates because you're now an old mum at 36 <laughs> I was, and so therefore we have to take good care of you because you are not competent um and i was like yeah but you know all the indications all the tests that you've done show that you know my daughter's healthy that i'm healthy that there's no issues for concern in this pregnancy so if anything i'd really like to try for a natural labor and then on the flip side i had a bereavement midwife support me and she was brilliant and she's like, you know, we'll try everything within our power to avoid the C-section for you um, with all being well. So she offered me a membrane sweep. And again, I didn't have the knowledge that I have now, but I would probably still make the same decision, which was, OK, let's see if having a membrane sweep may start things along. Um, but I but I had one on I had one on the, the Wednesday before she was born. And again, I think midwives know. And she said, look, you know, if baby hasn't made an appearance by Saturday, come we'll book an appointment Saturday morning. Um, and we'll see how things are then. Now that I look back on it, I think when she did the sweep, she thought this cervix is nowhere near ready to kind of <laughs> let a baby out. So come Saturday, because there's nothing going to happen in the next few days. 
Yeah. And then on the Saturday sweep, she's like, oh, I just felt your baby's head. And it was Saturday evening that I went into labor. So people that don't necessarily look back would think, oh, well, it was a sweep that did it. But if she felt my baby's head, then my body was already transitioning to labor, which it wasn't ready for on Wednesday. So again, it was coincidental that the sweep and the labor started on the same day. But my body was already making those changes because she wouldn't have felt baby's head otherwise. And, and Christian, do you think people get f fixed up on this this number of weeks cycle that you know uh, you know uh, after this number of weeks it should be here, you yeah. know? And 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 you know, like nature. And you know, I'm not saying it goes on forever. Don't get me wrong, but it might be a, it might be another two weeks, might it, or ten days, or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. So yes, we do get fixated on a date. And so one thing that we cover in the course is that. Here in the UK, we would ask the women when her last menstrual cycle was, and then the due date is calculated 40 weeks after that date. In yeah. France, they do that at 41. Now, the women in France aren't any way different to the women in England, um, so you question why. Mm. Uh, the World Health Organization states that a normal delivery will happen anywhere between 37 and 42 weeks. That's a five-week window. Mm. So yes. why, why we get fixated on this one date that our first doctor or midwife tells us is, is ludicrous. Um, and the other way that I kind of rationalize it is, you know, if you think about a fruit tree, say an apple tree, every year that tree will bear fruit. But when that first apple ripens to when that last apple ripens, you know, it can be several weeks. And if yeah. you try to and if you try to pull that apple too soon, it may look nice and rosy and juicy on the outside. But on the inside, it may just not be ready yet. And it's the same with pregnancy. You know, why interfere too early? Your body will know when the baby's ready. And it's not. It's not proven, but it's believed that the baby's release or something, a fluid is released in the amniotic sac when baby's lungs are fully formed, which is an indicator that baby's now ready to come into this world. And once that liquid is released into the amniotic fluid, then that triggers labor. Right. So okay. again, with things like a membrane sweep or having other forms of induction to move things along, your baby may not be ready. So then you're kind of starting a journey that's like pulling that apple from the tree too soon. You know, you Got, might yeah. look nice and big and round and ready to pop, but it may not be <laughs> so uh, so ready on the inside. Oh God! So, so what what about um, knowing your rights and things? Then, because yeah. you know, I, I guess you know, we've been in situations where somebody's talking to us and we think we have to do that way. You know, so you know, again, within the work that you do, you you, you must cover these things about, look, you can you can do this, you don't have to go that way, you don't have to do that. Is, would that be fair? Yeah, so there's things, you know, antenatally, even scans, there are, there's research to suggest that scans aren't comfortable for baby, and what mm -hmm. are the purpose of scans? So, okay, from our point of view, as, as the mum and the expecting parents, it gives us comfort. So we have the 12-week scan to know that the pregnancy is viable, and then we have the 20 week scan to just rule out any anomalies within the with, with the baby. But then you question, OK, so you do have a 20 week scan and there are anomalies. Then what happens? Some parents are faced with the decision. Do we continue with the pregnancy or do we terminate? Mm -hmm. They decide to continue with the, with the pregnancy because there's a chance that baby may survive. And OK, they may have, you know, a, a restricted life in some way. But there's nothing we can do in pregnancy. To change it there's no surgery that can be done and so for those remaining weeks that that couple has to face the future kind of quite bleakly and then that pregnancy mm. suddenly gets gets that cloud put over it you know and i've known many situations where news has been presented but the outcome isn't what they said it was going to be 
I had a family you. member even in this last year where they where the, the conversation of do we terminate because we think baby's too poorly and then even the lateral scans that she had towards the end of her pregnancy were still confirming that you know he may need surgery immediately after birth otherwise he, if he doesn't have that because this is okay then it, he will still need surgery and he turned out to be fine a healthy little boy and yet for from that 20-week scan so for the half of her pregnancy they were both petrified that a the baby was poorly and b what was their future going to be like or do they make the decision to terminate so there is you know school of thought is you know to what benefit are scanned as well as the ultrasound itself being quite babies tend to put their hands by their ears i think the frequency of the radio of the ultrasound disrupts baby they don't like it and okay if it, and if you have an ultrasound for too long it raises the amniotic fluid temperature in the womb right so there are you know if you want to dig a little bit deeper there's a lot of information about ultrasounds and their benefits and their risks and this is, you know, benefits and risks is one thing that we touch upon. So the acronym or the, is it an acronym, isn't it? Uh, BRAINS. So we, you, we use the thing BRAINS. So what are the benefits? What are the uh, risks? So the BR. Mm -hmm. The A is what are the advantages of that, of doing it, or the alternatives, sorry. So your benefits, your risks, your, the alternatives. So there is always an alternative. One is to, you know, if they are saying, well, look, would you like to do this? You can either accept to do that or you can continue as you are. So there's always at least two, and there may even be a third alternative. Um, I haven't talked so long. That, sorry, I'm losing what my eye is. Yeah, oh, yes, yeah, what's your eye? <laughs> my eye is, oh, follow your instincts. Okay. <laughs> and then the other thing is to say no. Your N is to say no. So if you, if right. you feel like, actually, I don't want to it, you can say no, um, and then do it with a smile. So that's a yes at the end of brains. Because, wow. again, you know, you may make a decision today, or you may just say, look, you know, actually, I'm really – please that you told me this it's a lot of information to digest in this appointment we'd like to at this point we're going to decline but i'm going to go away and do some research could we have another appointment in a week or whenever you think is the appropriate time frame and then you can come back and revisit it and you've got time to then do some external research on that subject or that procedure that can then because it's all about informed choice which even today and even in the current situation we're living in is are we really being given informed choice do we know what the risks are for doing mm -hmm. Do we know what the risks are for not doing the procedure? What advantages do we have for doing it? And then what are the disadvantages for doing it? So, if, you know, for both situations, you've got to weigh up the pros and cons um, and then decide what's best for you. And that's where the instincts come in, because instinctively you'll know whether you should do something or, or maybe hold back. And it's not that you may not do it a bit further down the road, but right now you just need a little bit more time to sit on it and to to find out a bit more Fine, but, and you just touched on there the situation that we're in now then so how has covid affected things for her uh <laughs> well by a look looking at your face by a lot <laughs> a lot so um so pre-covid i had quite a nice little steady business lockdown <laughs> one knocked it on the head completely and i even launched it just was serendipitous timing I, I was seeing at the time that i had recorded my session in november 2019 to create into an online video thinking, you know, people seem to be doing online these days, let's convert training into being an online course thinking people could do it from home. So when lockdown one happened, I thought, oh, it doesn't matter. Let me just work really hard to get it up there. And there doesn't seem to be the interest to do it. And face-to-face -face classes, obviously, because of government guidelines, mm. ceased to, to happen as well. Um, so my business has taken, you know, a severe hit um, during this pandemic. Um, and then for the mums and babies, the experience is awful. So, you know, at the 12-week appointment, 
partners in most hospitals still aren't allowed to attend that, that appointment, um, which I think is disgusting because, you know, there are one in four is the uh, miscarriage um, rate statistic. So every one in four women going into hospital all alone are being told that, sorry, your pregnancy hasn't progressed to this point. Wow. And she's, and she's facing that alone. Yeah. Wow. And their partner who can't make that appointment is having to receive that news over the telephone with a crying partner on the other side. Mm. So for me, I think that's disgusting. I think that's abhorrent and it's against humanity. And I know they say their reasons for not spreading this killer vaccine or this killer um, virus, but, you know, it hasn't proven to be as deadly as we thought it was going to be. You know, yes, there are people dying of this virus, but I don't think it warrants the measures that have been put in place and that are still in place now. Yeah. Um, oh, sorry, sorry, go ahead. That, I was going to say for the 20 week scan, they are allowing partners to come in, which is good. But if they're allowing partners for 20 weeks, then why can't the logic apply for 12 weeks? Yeah, there's, there's sometimes there's sometimes you just wonder about the logic generally, don't you? You know, let's to be honest, you know, you what? You know, I was I, I was just digressing. I was listening to an interview on the radio yesterday uh, about um, somebody that worked in the wedding industry, and they just decided to pack in after 15 years. And the frustration that they were sharing was, you know, why can people go to a football match? Why were the G7 all huddled together, and yet? I can't organize a wedding, you know what I mean, yeah. with safe. Or you could be with 200 other people in Tesco's. Yes. Yeah. It's, yeah. So, I know. No, it, yeah. The, lo the yeah. logic has, uh, has left the building for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and then for, you know, for labor itself, they're saying that birth partners can only be there when the woman is in established labor. You know, for the birth that proceeds well, then usually women won't take themselves to hospital till they're in established labour. So when we're teaching, we're saying, look, when you're having, say, um, a contraction every three to four minutes that's lasting around 45 seconds or longer, then it's time to leave your home and make your way to hospital. So you're in established labour because for the time that's proceeded before then, you've been contracting, 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 and now you're at the point where they are now wrong, strong, regular contractions. But for a woman that has medical needs who is maybe having an induction and the induction is being slow to progress as far as I still understand is that birth partners can't be there so again a woman is facing those hours maybe even days days on her own yeah well which let's again, let's hope easy. let's hope it changes very soon well, I do hope it changes very soon yeah. and, so, and so then Christine, I, you know, I would knock the whole medical midwifery care on its head <laughs> with a great big mallet and then let's go to midwifery led care and women-centered care where it's you know women are looking after women or men if they're midwife male midwives not excluding them but it yeah. is thinking about mum and baby solely not about medical interventions and tick boxes and all the rest that goes all on. the rest of it yeah. look before we before we close tell me about your book so my book is again for the would you say earlier on the uninitiated Yes, um, yes, so, initiated. So, yeah, so it's called The Power of Hypnobirthing, 10 Reasons Why You Should Do It. And so okay. it is just uh, 10 chapters. It's a quick, easy, digestible book that um, goes into a little bit more detail of what we've covered today is why, why and how is hypnobirthing going to help you and why you should choose to opt for a course. So it's only £6 on Amazon. So if you're kind of like, oh, should I, should and I? Because a course can cost around 250 pounds for a couple and their birth or the additional birth partners to attend depending where you are in the country um and so it's it, you know it's an investment that has to be considered 
And so the book will then help you understand, is that investment I really want to, to make or not? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And, and I guess from from what you were describing earlier, you you be you can work with people wherever now, can you? you yeah, using... I can teach on Zoom. I can teach face to face. You know, I'm happy to welcome people into my because I tend to teach at home because again, public spaces tend to be a bit harder. And I, you know, most hypnobirthing teachers will teach from home because we want to have a small, intimate environment. And so we would tend to teach maybe you know when I was teaching three or four couples at most at a time yeah um and it, you know it's an environment where you know if women do have or a couple have a particular situation in their pregnancy um that a small intimate group allows them to kind of share that rather than if you're in say like a big church hall or something with you know 15 couples you're just going to sit there and listen you're not going to actually want to then share your story so yeah I you're not going to you're not going to participate and probably no. feel comfortable so, 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 course which i haven't touched upon usually takes it takes about 10 hours to teach it from start to finish so i either do it over four different evenings or it's a weekend where it's like a day and a half, a full day Saturday and a half day Sunday. So again, that gives people a chance to get to know each other and you know open up if they have things that they want to kind of. So if somebody, somebody wants to 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 learn and train to do the work that you do, you do that as well. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Right. And for those, just if, if they want to be local, just where 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 are you based? So I'm based in Romford in Essex. Okay. Um, I'm happy to travel. You know, within within say an hour 40 40 minutes to an hour to people's homes but again online these days you can reach anybody anywhere so, yeah you certainly can the yeah, power of it zoom isn't quite as you know as nice and intimate but you know we can we can still give you the information that you need to kind of try and have the birth that you want and, and christine on closing if, if people want to find out more about you how can they uh, how can they do that yeah so the book is available on amazon just if you type in the power of hypnobirthing amazon it'll come up um if you want to look at my website it's www.magicalbabymoments.com well look a big thank you for joining us on glass half full and sharing that information and uh, you know what as i often say there's things that resonate with people timing it's all life is all about timing and there'll be people listening to this that'll go do you know what the timing could just well be right for me so it's yep. been a pleasure it's been a pleasure talking to you and if anyone's further afield just get in touch my number's on the website or my email so do drop me a line Wonderful. Thank you for joining us tonight on Glass Half Full. Thank you. Well, a big thank you for joining us on tonight's Glass Half Full. If you'd like to have advanced information about guests that will be joining me on Glass Half Full, why not join our newsletter? Just drop me an email, steve at stevetwynham.com, and we'll add you to our Glass Half Full newsletter. And just a reminder to check out Yawa Radio, your truly well-being and happiness station, online 24 hours, seven days a week at yawaradio.co.uk. 